everyone, and welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brim. And today we are back to talk about First Class Dinner, which is a really awesome scene, really important scene to me and someone else that I know. So today we have a special guest on the podcast as well. Um, She's a friend of mine, known her for... A few years now, we met due to our mutual love of Titanic, and we'll get into all of that. But our guest today is Liz Osborne. Hello, Liz. Introduce yourself. How you doing? Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm great. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm verklempt. I'm all of the <laughs> Especially because I just watched Titanic uh, last night, which I hadn't watched it in like years and years and years. Probably since... 2012 or something, right? Yeah, I saw the 3D release and then I uh, wasn't really paying attention because I had some really talkative teenagers behind me the whole movie. Oh, <laughs> that, God. like, destroyed it. <laughs> um, and I got to the point where I was like, I've waited so long. So I, I did tell them to stop, but they did not stop. But <laughs> what are you going to do? And then, yeah, before that, I hadn't seen it since I was 16. So that was mm. 13 years ago since I actually got to, like, fathom it. Mm. So... I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of emotions and things to say. Yes, yeah, so I can imagine. Oh my god. Yeah, I know because we talked about it before. How you like didn't want to ruin its impact by watching it too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I failed at that. Um, but but <laughs> I, I I get in in moods where I'm like I'm in a Titanic mood and I'm gonna watch nothing but like a bunch of clips from the movie continuously. But I think you did the right thing. I think if I could go back in time, I would watch it more frequently. Yeah. Because you you watched it so frequent enough that you can keep those emotions and you can keep that like that childlike wonder about it throughout the years and it stuck with you. Mm. I had a complete break and now I feel like I watched it as an adult. So all the things I had as a child, I no longer have. So oh, now no. I saw it completely differently. I still feel because it was so deeply embedded in me, I still feel those things that I saw when I was mm-hmm. a kid. But now I see it as an adult and I'm just like okay, I did the opposite now. I saw it with fresh eyes rather than keeping it fresh. <laughs> like, well, I okay, guess, yeah. so, so that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so like, so what What would you, how would you say the experience was watching it as an adult, like positive, negative? Not negative. I don't think it was negative. I think it was more so um, little interactive things bothered me that never would have bothered me ever before. And then again, thinking like these two people hardly know each other, but I'll get to that later. <laughs> so, I think they know each other more than everyone would like to think. No one really meets the way that these exactly. two people meet. And I'm sure you've you've listened to what we've said about all that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, maybe I think just the biggest thing is like some CGI and green screen stuff that takes that you notice now that it's 22. So 22, yeah. yeah, 22 years yeah. later. Mm-hmm. But it's still really impressive considering it 22 is. years. Yeah. Um, especially since my job is looking at color and light. I notice yes. little things here and there. And I'm just like, ooh. But then I also see other things where I'm like, oh, so good still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because so. I was going to say, yeah, because aside from, you know, going to have you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, but you're very involved in photography and film. Like film was really what was that you, you say your first love right mm-hmm. and so yeah so I was thinking you watching it as an adult you probably were seeing it 
through multiple lenses, just, you know, from an adult standpoint, and then as a film lover, as someone who, did you study film? Yes, or? In my mind, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, Same. of course. I, mean, I just didn't know if you, like, you know, had the whole, did the whole school thing or whatever. But yeah, so I, yeah, I can imagine when you just said, like, interactive things. Well, I think it's also, you have to give some flack to it, because it's like, we're judging things based off of human interactions that we know today yeah and they didn't have that like i'm super blunt and honest i'm always like why aren't they just saying what they want to say but that was the opposite of their time so i have to keep that in mind yeah you were pretty much conditioned to like keep things to yourself not show you know especially like rose right so why don't you i guess um share a little bit about your titanic origin story, you know, starting with, I guess, your love of film and how Titanic helped lead you there, I think, if I remember your blog post correctly. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I tried to find that blog post. I can't find it. It's gone. So, <laughs> so I'm glad someone remembers it. Um, So I got to see it in theaters opening weekend. And it wasn't just like randomly sprung up on me I was like raised a kid raised by TV so I saw all of the previews for it constantly mm-hmm. I would race home from school to watch Celine Dion's video on VH1 um, <laughs> and then I would stay up late just to watch Leonardo on Growing Pains on Disney Channel so I was just like waiting and waiting for the day we finally got to go see this movie <laughs> and um, my dad would take it to the movies like every Saturday that was his thing and we'd always see a matinee but I remember him being like we need to go really early and so then I realized oh I'm not the only one that's excited for this this is like a thing <laughs> and um, I remember getting excited to go see the the re-releases for for Star Wars and everything but this felt entirely different like mm-hmm. I remember getting there really early and everyone filing in and it just felt like we weren't going to a movie. It felt like we were going to an event. And I remember that feeling like so much of like something's happening and Mm -hmm. I don't understand what it is, but it was Mm -hmm. exciting. Still feels that way today, by the way. That last time I saw it, it was an event happening. Oh gosh, (laughs) you're so lucky. I wish I could see it in film again. That is so incredible. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you totally. That was. That totally would have been your scene. Like the theater was like so gorgeous, and yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> one one day I'll fly out to Boston just for that. <laughs> we continue. Um, continue. Oh, um. So I remember exactly where we were, where we were sitting in the theater, and I remember vividly this older woman sitting next to me on my right that I didn't know, and then my dad to my left, and my brother next to him. And I just remember every random, like when I was watching the film last night, I remember seeing those moments in the Mm. theater. I remember the doll, the doll's face in the bottom of the ocean. And that really like took me by surprise of like, okay, we're not going to see something adventurous. We're also going to see something really eerie Mm -hmm. because it's kind of eerie that this is a graveyard and we always forget that this is a graveyard. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I remember... All of the funny little things that we would see, like uh, the the part where Rose throws the axe and misses her shot, that yes. was probably the, the biggest laugh of, of the whole film. Everyone thought that was really funny. And of course, when they're <laughs> spitting off of the ship, everyone thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I remember the most, or two things rather, is when Rose is kind of swimming through the flooded hallways with the axe trying to get mm-hmm. to Jack. 
and all of those like horrific noises the ship is making yes those were so loud in the theater so loud so loud and i remember it made everyone tense and you could like we were since we were in the second back second to last row in the back i could see everyone basically Mm. and you could just see everyone like tense up and get freaked out by it and then we were like, we're no longer in a really romantic like movie. We're just like, and we're in it. We're in this moment. Survival mode. Yeah. And and then um, the main thing I remember, which still sticks with me today because I photograph uh, Dwar photos, but it not nearly like the draw me like your French girl vibe. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the nude scene, because I'm seven, I'm seven years old, and... Uh, the nude scene happens, and I'd always been told to cover my eyes, but no one was telling me to cover my eyes. And I remember, okay, well, there's this old lady to my right. Surely she'll tell me, honey, you need to cover your eyes. <laughs> A but random like, lady you don't know will cover your eyes for yeah. you. <laughs> I'm like, are you going to be an adult right now? Should I cover my eyes? But I, I look to my right, kind of, and I'm like, she's she's fully entranced in the scene. And I'm like, everyone is into this scene right now. <laughs> and then it kind of dawned on me at seven years old I was like oh this is what they mean when they say like it's art body is art and you know intimacy is something on another level and I remember that when that moment sticking with me the most like you always think of nudity as a child as something bad and stay away from but it was like a really memorable moment of something really human that I didn't understand quite yet, but I started to understand in that moment when no one was telling me to cover my eyes. What about, what about the uh, sex scene? Did anyone tell you then? No. Mm-hmm. Everyone was really into the film that no one ever told me to look away. No one stopped to think. We were just yeah. like, who cares? We're, we're in this moment. Yeah. yeah. And I think also now knowing about love scenes around that time, it was just like, it was probably a really interesting and peculiar love scene where it was so intimate it wasn't about like the sex and it wasn't about the nudity it was just like Mm -hmm. the intimacy of these two people which was Mm -hmm. rare yes um and that she's the big spoon which i love yes i always (laughs) comment on that yes it's so refreshing yeah yeah i love i love the the reversal there which isn't even really a reversal it shouldn't be yeah but you know what we're used to seeing in films Yes. Obviously, everyone was crying. That was a really bizarre moment to feel uh, everyone so impacted by that film because I had never felt that in a theater before. And again, I'm seven, so I'm just like, human experiences, what is happening? <laughs> and everyone and, just crying together yeah, <laughs> as yeah. a community. <laughs> yeah. And um, just, again, being like really taken aback just by how beautiful and devastating and poignant and overwhelming it was as a movie because I know I was seven and that's but like I said I was raised on movies and TVs so I was just like blown away and then leaving the theater I remember thinking like something had really really happened to me Mm -hmm. driving away and I'm sure you probably felt the same thing for seeing it but I remember thinking this is a day I'll probably remember forever because of how it made me feel and what it instilled in me and that was like a love for film, a love for history, um, human connection and romance, which obviously kind of inadvertently led me to where I am right now. And mm-hmm. I now realize, again, watching it last night again, I realize how like deeply it impacted me as a photographer in terms of light and color. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, God, those are my tones, aren't they? That's what I, <laughs> that's what I use, too. Um, but... 
Yeah, I can actually see that now that you say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking back to like all like you know, all your all your pictures that pop up a lot. Yeah. It's always there, I think. Mm-hmm. I know there's some dark and cold stuff I do, but there's also which again is like at the end of Titanic, it's dark and cold. So it's yep. like a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. All in all, what fascinates me the most is the attention to detail that this film has had and the emphasis on human connection. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about two lovers, it's about like two personalities. Mm. that go really well together yes and it's a shame they'll just won't see what it would have been like if they got to new york together who knows i know sometimes maybe they'll they'll make a sequel (laughs) i know eventually yeah like a million years later yeah do you remember in the years after hearing those fake rumors yeah i remember that all the time and then those uh those parody trailers surface like every few years and everyone always falls for them Mm -hmm. they get 50 million views and everyone's like oh wow i can't wait for this i'm like can you guys really not tell that these are just a bunch of different leonardo dicaprio and kate winslet movies (laughs) strung together to try to tell a story like it's like jack becomes uh the aviator and you're like oh yeah we didn't see that movie because yeah just just because they did revolutionary road together they're like oh Let's try to make a thread out of this. But then it's always terrible because it's like, oh, yeah, if Jack and Rose like actually stayed together, like it would have been abusive. It would have been awful. I was like, we don't want this. You just never know. I don't know. <laughs> the one thing that really caught me off guard is obviously I know the ending. We all know that that Jack does not survive. We but what? I, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> um. Anyway, if you're listening to the podcast and you don't know that, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I I would hope someone listening to this podcast would know that by now. You guys did tell them that he doesn't survive, right? Okay, so anyway. um, uh, As I'm watching it, I'm like really holding out hope that he can make it. And I don't know why I'm doing that. I don't I'm like... But he can do it, right? He can just like... If they just like rotate off of the the piece of wood, they'll be fine. And I'm like... (laughs) Girl, how many times have you seen this movie? And like, he has a chance. And I was like, um, I don't know why I'm holding out such hope knowing what I know. Yeah. It's but I mean, so that's weird. a testament to, I think, the filmmaking in general, or like the, the storytelling, like how he really wraps you into what they're going through in their relationship. And like, you want, you're just like a fly like directly on the wall the whole time sort of and you're Mm -hmm. just like right there with them and you know you're feeling how anyone in that situation um would probably feel like you you want it to turn out okay so yeah no matter how many times you watch it i think you you feel those things definitely Yeah. yeah so so liz do you still consider it your favorite movie uh, yes and no. So when I was 14, I saw Heathers and Heathers had a really close, mm-hmm, yeah. it had a good close tie with Titanic. They kind of are tied for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. So I feel like because of that, I can hold them together in the same spot. Gotcha. Um, I'm still really proud to still hold it on so long because it does hold up. It's still so impressive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you have, do you remember if you had a favorite movie before you saw Titanic or or was this like your first favorite movie? That's a good question. Oh gosh. 
Well, I was seven, so yeah, that's what I was wondering. So I'm sure if I asked myself, it probably would have. I would probably would have said Thumbelina. But yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember watching that a lot as a kid. Oh my I god, that my name! VHS. Oh my god, as soon as you just said that, I was like wave of nostalgia. Wow. Okay. I was really obsessed with Beetlejuice. Oh, um, that's a good one. And then yeah, you Sam like Winona Ryder, then I guess. Oh, obsessed with Winona yeah, she's Ryder. Great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, yeah. I think I think Beetlejuice was probably one of them. I liked a bunch of really random. Mm-hmm. The weird thing about my my dad, which I appreciate now, was he let me watch whatever movie he was watching, mm-hmm. and then he would just say, "Cover your eyes for the bad parts." <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So I always appreciated that. I was never really censored as a kid when it came to that kind of stuff, um, and. Funny enough, the first movie they let me watch rated R uncensored was Terminator 2. Because I was like, I really want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> One yeah. of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. I begged and I was like, let me watch me. Let us watch Terminator 2. I don't want to cover my eyes. Oh my so god. Uh but yeah, it was probably it was probably uh I liked really Halloween dark stuff like well dark now back then. Uh, yeah. Beetlejuice, Nightmare Before Christmas. But that's interesting too, because you've definitely carried all that stuff with you. Mm-hmm. into adulthood for yeah. sure yeah. yeah yeah do you remember dinner in a movie on tbs y- yes i don't um i didn't really watch it but i do remember like promos for it and stuff oh okay yeah they always played edward scissorhands so my mom would always be like edward scissorhands dinner in a movie and i remember all of us like hanging out in a bed watching just me and my mom and my brother watching edward scissorhands so it's interesting that my parents inadvertently got us into film. Mm-hmm. They didn't know they were doing it, but that's super that's cool. cool. So, is that everything you want to say for your introduction? Anything else before we jump into this scene? One thing—it's just a really horrible fun fact about uh, my Titanic past that I should really apologize to my best friend when I was seven years old about is the DVD came out, or the VHS came out the day of her birthday party, her eighth mm. birthday party. And I, I know, remember, I feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, knowing that, knowing that it came out the same day, and I called her and I said, hey, I'm sorry, I can't go to your party. The VHS just came out. <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is totally justifiable, like, and then the worst part of it all is my birthday was a week before, and she and totally, she came to yours. She came. She she came to mine and showered me with Spice Girls gifts. There's even oh, like no. footage of me showing off all the presents she got me, and I just straight up called her and was like, "Yeah, can't go. It just <laughs> came out. You understand." Ugh. Well, it was a part of history when you I look back. It's really her fault for being born on that day. I should be held accountable <laughs> yeah, for this. That's true. Don't even apologize. Uh, no. <laughs> she actually is a hairstylist now, and she did my hair recently, and I was like, should I tell her that I'm really sorry? And she doesn't remember it at all. Yeah. Oh, like, my gosh. That's so funny, though, that you're still harboring that those feelings. You're like, oh, my God, this is the day I need to tell her. I know. I feel sorry, terrible. by the way, about your eighth birthday. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay. So, I guess we can jump into this scene then. So, picking up where we left off, um, this scene 
starts basically with a shot of Titanic sailing at sunset, which still looks beautiful in my opinion. I mean, I feel like, Liz, what are your thoughts? Do you think it looks super computer generated now or does it still look all right to you? I was super impressed with all of the, uh, I call them drone shots. I know they're not really drone shots, but yeah. from now, like they look like what would be now drone shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, or James Cameron calls them the cruise commercial shots. Yes. <laughs> but I think they're actually still impressive yeah. and that the color and lighting is stunning. Mm-hmm. Obviously you can tell that the CGI is from an earlier time, but it mm-hmm. doesn't look like it's from the 90s. To me, it looks like it could be 10 years ago, CGI. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I thought that that still looked really, really nice. And mm-hmm. um, that's actually based off of one of Ken Marshall's paintings. A lot of the scenes, like a lot of the shots of the ship are based uh, or inspired by Ken Marshall's paintings. And I just think it's really cool because when you see the painting and then you see what James Cameron did, he really made an effort to sort of bring those visions of his to life. Um, Yeah, it's just beautiful. So it cuts from that shot to Jack uh, entering the first class. um, What do you call it? Like the staircase area. Is there like a specific word for that or? The grand staircase? It's the grand staircase, but I mean, it's like, it's like he walks in that, like, it's like that side door. I think yeah. it's the door that, like, Rose goes into in the shooting star deleted scene or something like that. I don't know what that's called, but I think I think it's just, like, first class entrance or something. But you maybe know this, Liz, that goof, I guess, of how as Jack is, we're walking towards the door from, like, Jack's perspective. And, like, in the reflection in the window, you can see the cameraman. Whoa, I, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I never caught it either for years and years and years. All the times I saw the movie. And then maybe two years ago, I was like watching one of those videos on YouTube. Everything wrong with Titanic. Like things you didn't notice. And I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Um, But yeah, and that was like one of the things. And I was like, oh, snap. I'm never going to be able to unsee that. Just like this like outline of like a a steady cam, like a Mm -hmm. guy like (laughs) walking like up to the door. Um, I've never seen it, but I remember reading about that. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So this uh, doorman opens the door for Jack. And of course, you know, now that Jack has his hair slicked back, he's in the suit. It's just good evening, sir. You know, it's like no one even bats an eye that this guy is actually holding a third class ticket. And, And, you know, watching it again, it's so crazy to like see how young Leo really is and how young he's playing Jack really like Jack is like such a fish out of water and he's like looking around clearly in shock about like what he's seeing he's like well okay I had my little I was like praising God for my little bunk bed down there like I was like "Ooh, this is living the life and like now here's this uh this you know super grand area something I I wrote down in my notes that I never really thought of before was that this is the first time we see the grand staircase. Like this is the grand staircase reveal. Yeah. Like I scrubbed, like you maybe see like a tiny little corner of it Mm -hmm. here or there, like something on the same floor or the same area. But this was like our real first big introduction to it. And I thought it was interesting that they introduced us to the grand staircase from Jack's perspective. So we're all like, oh. So we're in it with him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, I never thought of that before. And I was like, I think it 
it does, it makes us see it probably from our own perspective that we probably would mm-hmm. uh, if we didn't think we were watching a movie. Like, you know, does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it sort of like puts you in the shoes of someone who has never experienced probably something that's, that gorgeous. Like, that's you know. funny you say that. It's the first time because it's like in my head I had to think about it because it's such an iconic exactly. uh, piece to the movie where you think, oh, I, I just know what this looks like in my head because you've mm-hmm. seen it in like shots like stills from the movie or just that clip also at the i think i've said this the pigeon forge museum they have an exact replica Mm -hmm. of the staircase you can walk up it's cool yeah really cool yeah you've been there right did you go yet or no i've been to the artifacts museum when it came through denver okay Um, okay but they they replicated some hallways and stuff but they didn't have the grand staircase Mm. i would have died to see that yeah, yeah, if you ever make it out to Tennessee, like Pigeon Forge, it's really cool. Or the Branson one. Too, yeah, there's one in Branson too. Yeah, but yeah, that was just something um, I thought was interesting. It makes you, I said, it makes you think about its opulence a little differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, so we see Jack sort of trying to take it all in, walk around, like trying to act like he belongs there, like trying to put on, like, you know, observing all the other men, how they're standing, which I love that, the way he's like, okay, I gotta have my hand behind my back, I gotta, like, I gotta, you know, he's first, like, leaning against the pole, like, oh, never mind, I gotta do this thing now, I guess, like, I gotta, yeah, fake it till you make it, yeah, it's amazing, yeah. So he's, you know, trying to play along, and... I think it's so great when he notices Cal walking down the stairs and he's like all ready to be like, hey, look at me now, right? And Cal just walks right by him, doesn't even recognize him. And Jack was about to like shake his hand and he's totally left hanging. (laughs) I just realized for the first time last night that he gives him a finger gun after that. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. Yeah. I never, that was one thing where I was like, oh, I love that so much. Why didn't I never notice that where he goes, okay, bye. Yeah. (laughs) And he's making that little pouty face too. He's like, and all right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I like that. I noticed um, you can tell uh, Jack is bothered just by the rudeness of Cal, but I like that you can tell he doesn't really care what he thinks of him. Exactly. 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 He's just like, you're you're more miserable than I am because. I know that you're miserable or, you know, I don't know. I like that. he doesn't care. Yeah. And that's something that always, uh, I, I guess I didn't really mentally internalize, but I guess I kind of emotionally internalized, which is another Mm. reason why I was kind of drawn to Heather's too. It's like, they both kind of have themes of like, okay, I I eventually realized I don't, it's not caring is the, the power of life Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Not caring what you think of me. Mm. And so, Something else, uh, I think I had mentioned this in passing before, uh, was that right before Cal uh, and Ruth come walking down the stairs, you hear like them having this conversation where Ruth is like, no, where Cal says, you know, there's like 7,000 tons of Hockley steel in the ship or something. And she's like, oh, really? Which part? And he's like, all the right ones, of course. And then she goes, oh, well, good. Then we'll know who to hold accountable if there's a problem. (laughs) And I'm just like... Really? So, like, Cal Hockley is to blame in this universe. Then. Yeah, that's kind of... I couldn't understand what he said at first, but now that you say it, it makes sense. I heard the last part yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, Hockley Steel. Obviously, that's 
James Cameron wrote that in. I don't think there's yeah. any truth to Hockley <laughs> Steel being in the Titanic, but uh, yeah, I never caught that before actually until recently, and I was like, wow, yeah. just another jab at the fact that we all know it's gonna sink. It's just kind of, you know. Uh, Part of me wonders if the real passengers talked about the unsinkableness of it all that mm. much. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's up for debate a little bit but because because no one as far as i know like no one involved with white star line was really promoting it as unsinkable Mm -hmm. they were just like oh we have all this new technology that like it could basically almost be unsinkable (laughs) kind of like you know what i mean um there were people saying though i don't know if it was people from the company but at least citizens were saying like not even god could sink this like that was something that people had been saying um, like people were just really hyping it up like yeah. the fact that it was like oh like it's going to be this amazingly built ship like we have all this new stuff like to really ensure that like it won't sink and yeah. like oh man like yeah like it's going to be the safest trip ever with all this modern stuff and well you yeah because it was <laughs> yeah it, I mean it basically no ship is un, unsinkable but uh, that, that might have been the I've said before I had like some my great great something like they were yeah. going to come to America on the Titanic and then they heard somebody say like not even God could sink it and they're like oh no I'm I'm not going to go on that <laughs> oh no oh no because uh, you know they took it as like an omen that uh, yeah. you know I don't want to mess with this and so they ended up mm-hmm. going in a different route but which is yeah. crazy yeah right so. Jack is left hanging by Cal, and then Rose eventually rounds the corner of the staircase, getting ready to come down. And I love the way she sort of pauses there and watches Jack from, like, all the way down below, and he's she's watching him practice. Yeah. Like, she's watching him just be like, hello, like, fake greeting people, and she's clearly, like, so endeared. Like, she thinks it's so endearing, like, this face that she makes. I was just yeah. like, oh, that's so sweet. Um and then, of course, when he does the double take and notices her, it's, of course, that moment of, like, oh, I'm just blinded by this person's beauty right now. It's a reversal of when she does the double take at him earlier. Yeah, a little bit. Like right. When he first sees, he's staring at her, and then yeah. she notices him. I mean, hers was, like, a full-on, like, reset yeah, double take. That's true. But his was just kind of, like, a flick of the eyes. But, um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. He's still down below in both scenes, though. Like, yeah, he's looking true. up at her Yeah. in both things. Kind of interesting when you start thinking about that sort of stuff, yeah, right? there's some Like, you try to there. think of, of like, what um, subconsciously maybe, like... Mm-hmm. What, yeah, it's just interesting. Anyway, um, anything you want to say? Um, I was trying to think of them. I think, especially because of my job as a, a wedding photographer, I feel like... I pay attention to how two people interact more than anything mm. now and I noticed okay this is their their third interaction I think together like their third meeting I mm. believe because the first one was the suicide attempt and then the second one was the when she, people yeah mm-hmm. so this is their third time and I thought it was interesting that the first two times obviously first you can't decide that you like each other and then the second time it's just kind of like in the middle of the interaction they realize oh we actually have things and common and we kind of have the same yearnings but I Mm -hmm. love that this third time that are together 
prior to seeing each other at the grand staircase, they have already decided that they like the other person. Yeah. Mm. Like that commitment to themselves has already been made of like, I like this person. I want to see this person. They make me feel like really warm inside. So mm-hmm. like, it's like super powerful when they first see each other and then you're like, oh, this is happening. Like, yeah. <laughs> Kate and Leo's chemistry is so great. Like as I was watching this, I was like, just from them looking at each other, like you can feel like, like the chemistry is like palpable. Mm-hmm. And then something that I had actually read on Tumblr that I wanted to say, uh, I read it after the fact when um, we were talking about the last scene. Someone pointed out that in that whole scene um, where they're on the deck and they start like bickering and stuff, um, they're sort of getting a sense for the other's relationship status. Jack is asking her like, oh, do you love him? Like, what's going on with that? You know? Um, and then she's like, oh, you must have had a love affair with this woman. Like, yeah. oh, like, what's going on with that sort of thing, you know? And then yeah. they both sort of got the answers <laughs> they wanted, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and so I think that was important moving into this scene to know that, That's like, point, all right, yeah. maybe maybe the door is open there for something. Um, I remember that being really satisfying as an audience member seeing it for the first time when he says do you love him I remember thinking yes yes tell us tell us so we know if we have a shot here like is this happening (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course yeah it's just a lot of a lot of great things um that you don't typically that's what I've said a million times about this is that it's like there's so many um things you don't notice um, yeah. you could watch it a hundred times and like I was literally as I was taking my notes I was just noticing this stuff now and it came to me as I'm writing like I'm like okay yeah this happened and then suddenly something else clicks in my head and I'm like oh my god never thought of it never thought of it that way never noticed that like it's crazy anything else either of you want to no. say no, um, okay. um uh, s- go ahead I I had just listened again. I've listened to the James Cameron commentary before, but it's mm-hmm. on it's on YouTube. It's also sped up. Uh, yes, I know what you're talking about. He's like a chipmunk. So, yeah. I love when they do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually so funny to me because you get to hear the movie sped up. So anyone listening yeah. wants to listen to that, I highly recommend. Even if you've already heard it, it's so funny. <laughs> um, but I just listened to her before this again, and I just love how he says, you know, that she's looking directly into the camera when when she's approaching Jack, which yes. is so rare. And I was just like thinking, that's such a bold move to do. But obviously, it just puts us in that perspective of like, this is what Jack sees and feels. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think it would have been as impactful without that shot shot yeah and you can like see it behind her eyes she has this smile that's like starting to grace her face and she's like she's a little squinty with it too though right she's like kind of like just taking everything in being like oh my god like you sweet little person like you know what i mean (laughs) she's just like assessing him still she does a good job yeah she does a really good job just overall but especially just in her her just her facial expressions throughout the movie like different expressions she makes are really good Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's and like I, subtle, but not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. like makes sense. I also yeah. can't help but to, to wonder how she feels seeing someone who just was dressed as a pauper now dressed as a penguin. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. And like, well, wonder, and that's probably why she's making that, yeah. that face. She's probably like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing you in a new light. Like, I've seen you this way two times before, and now there's this 
thing, or, you know. Or maybe it's also to kind of show her in the audience, like maybe there really is no difference between like somebody in a third class versus somebody in this first class. Uh, oh, yeah. Other than like, if you look the part, like, what's the difference at that point? Once they dress the same, like, who's to tell the difference? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. just liked how his suit was just to show the audience of just like we're all just playing an act. Yeah, exactly. He's just yeah. Playing it for this, and she's mm-hmm. probably seeing him in that suit, thinking like, "God, we're also just full of it." And yeah. Seeing seeing him in this suit really solidifies that we're all just full of it. And and mm-hmm. I and I love how even though Jack is trying, you know, he's trying to fit in. But he doesn't ever like when they talk to him, he doesn't ever pretend to be this rich guy. Like he actually just acts like himself, like where yeah. he could have been fake. He was just being honest where all these other guys are being super fake. Yeah. And, and um, that goes into something that happens in a minute. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was funny because, of course, you know, they meet at the bottom of the steps and Rose holds her hand out and he kisses it. And this was also inspired by another Ken Marshall painting, I think, as well, mm. which is kind of cool. The painting, it looks almost exactly like the scene. The woman's also in like a reddish sort of dress as well, meeting this man down at the bottom of the steps. Um, and so, yeah, and so Jack kisses her hand and says, you know, I saw that in a Nickelodeon once and I always wanted to do it, which is also so cute. So just like, almost like a little relatable moment in there of just like again he's acting like he's like oh this is what I'm supposed to do I saw this in a thing once you know um but then I just thought it was so funny because there are so many people on the internet that literally thought he was saying I saw that on Nickelodeon okay (laughs) and they were like they were like oh my god James Cameron made such a big mistake I'm like you really think James Cameron who's in the thick of writing this period piece would let something slide as big as Jack referencing Nickelodeon. That's so stupid. Uh, yeah, no, but as a kid, I was seven, I totally was like, well, yeah. oh, so Nickelodeon was around that long. But then I remember seeing all those <laughs> old magazines. You know, they were like, yeah. Nickelodeon. I remember seeing Nickelodeon magazine commercials where they're like, it's been a long, uh, around forever. So in my head, I was like, maybe they were talking about the Nickelodeon magazines mm-hmm. if they were a lo- around that long. But obviously now we know they're that little viewfinder <laughs> Yes, film thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's so funny. Um, But yeah, and so, uh, you know, Jack holds out his arm for Rose and they start walking. And I love the way he just immediately just like sticks his nose up so far (laughs) as he's walking with her and she just laughs. There's just, you know, these little interactions between them that are Mm -hmm. just so um, young compared to like everyone else that we typically see, um, I guess. And we just see them interacting on this level that's just sweet it's just cute um it's so pure and playful and exactly like, unjaded mm-hmm. yeah. to, to a degree yeah rose takes a minute to you know go up to cal i love the way she says darling it's so like interesting like oh man like she's like she's really playing that up there yeah, at that just, moment as she's well she's just pandering to him yep and so she's like surely you remember mr dawson and Ugh, the most backhanded compliments, right? Where it's just, oh, wow, Dawson, you could almost pass for a gentleman. Extraordinary. And then, you know, Jack saying almost. Um, Yeah, that was always just a great line anyway, but um, in the illustrated screenplay, 
you know, it's like, I always thought this anyway, but it's just nice to read these blurbs. It says, in the movie, after Cal tells Jack that he, quote, could almost pass for a gentleman, Jack responds with the line, almost. And then a little blurb from James Cameron. As we rehearsed the scene, it seemed stronger to give Jack the last word. He may be in Cal's territory, but he's still playing by his own rules. Mm. Um, and <laughs> I just love that. I just love it. Yeah. Because it's, it's so true. Like the way you were saying, Liz, about how everyone it's just we're so full of it. And it's like, mm-hmm. I am not going to abide by these rules because why? I'm just still going to, you know, stay my own person, which he does the entire um, dinner and everything, which is like just wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. So and again, I really love Kate's expression, too, after Jack says almost like they kind of hang on them for a minute. And she's again, like assessing him like she's looking at him with like such like admiration in that moment, kind of. And she's like, wow, like you're really not taking any crap. You know, it's like you're your own person. I've said before that like she almost like wishes she could, quote unquote, be him, but like be like him in that way. But yeah, it's just interesting seeing that across her face basically like you can see it i was just thinking how it's probably interesting for her because she obviously has moments where she speaks her mind and gets reprimanded for it because Mm -hmm. she's a she's a woman she's basically seen as you know property and it must be interesting for her to see someone else speak their mind who has nothing to lose because he's not part of the society he's not rich and he's also a man so they don't really talk back to him about it they're like Mm. well jack can say whatever he wants he but when it's all said and done he's going to just still be a penniless guy when we get off the ship so yeah but she's probably just like really thinking about each other's roles in the world or like but does it really matter i always yeah. wondered that like yeah. what really matters yeah mm. she, i think she's just with cal for his eyebrows <laughs> i know right billy sane and that hair eyelashes <laughs> Yeah, that's it. The, he has like, um, like, yeah, he has like eyeliner or a mascara. He has something. He just going has on. really dark, thick eyelashes. Yeah. He's just blessed. <laughs> yeah, I just also found out his hair was a wig recently, and yep, I'm the really, hairpiece. Really, yeah, know. I'm really traumatized by that. Yeah, because he's been like bald <laughs> forever, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I know that Titanic is the main reason why I like guys with longer, shaggy hair. Like, I know Mm -hmm. that for a fact. Mm -hmm. So now knowing that (laughs) Cal's hair is a wig, I'm just like, what is life? What's the meaning of all of this? Cal's hair is a wig. Yeah, I've heard people say that the placement, if you pay attention, the placement of the hairpiece changes from, like, scene to scene sometimes. Which I I, I still haven't really noticed, but... DiCaprio's hair is also a wig. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah, fun fact. No, it's not. (laughs) Okay, bye, guys. I'm leaving. (laughs) Fun fact. Is this true? That'd be crazy. I was Um, like, don't you lie to me. (laughs) Imagine if it was earth shattering. Everything I know is just like ruined if that were to be true. (laughs) So, yeah, so they're making their way down to the first class dinner. And then I made a note as well. I think they probably said this in one of the commentaries um, that you, you know, you get to see that like they really built this whole set, right? They're like walking down the steps now down into the next level. Like they built this whole thing mm-hmm. um, and it's just so beautiful um, to see. And it just, it puts you there again, right? Like there's so many Titanic movies, but now that we like, you know, we have an idea of what the ship really looked like. So it's like when you actually see it 
you know, in a movie like this, you really feel like you're there, like with the attention to detail. It's just beautiful to um, really take in. And uh, so they make it to that bottom landing. And then Rose just starts like becoming Gossip Girl over here, just (laughs) just talking smack about everybody down here. At a volume that I'm sure everyone could totally hear, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I know. Just like when she's like whispering to Jack across the table. Yes, she's like nine seats away from him. Yeah, I never got that. Yeah, that always bothered me. But yeah, it's weird. Um, I'm like, Cal's closer to her. And I'm like, you're talking crap about him. And he's right here. (laughs) She's making fun of everybody at the table. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. But um, yeah, so she's like gossiping, filling Jack in on everything about all the first class people who are all real people that she's calling out right now. Do do you know if like the stuff about Guggenheim's mistress, like, do you know if that stuff's real or? I know, yeah, you're a little bit better on the history than I am, Liz, I think. So. Uh, sh- sh- was she-, she the pregnant one? Madeline was, um, um, she's J.J. Astor's girlfriend, yeah. It's been a long time since I've, like, completely delved into this. Mm-hmm. I was obsessive, like you, Brittany, reading the books over and over again. But, yeah. But, yeah, in the, the commentary I just listened to literally an hour ago, they were saying the pregnant mistress is real and that they were just, like, you know, couldn't really hide, so he was just like, yep. But was Madeline, I don't, I don't think Madeline was a mistress, was she? She was young. She was, like, like Rose said, she was her age. This was John Jacob Astor's girlfriend yeah, or whoever. Was she mi- I don't yeah, know. She wasn't a mistress. Because the mistress, the mistress comment was in relation to Guggenheim, okay. I think. Oh yeah, no, no, I need to go back. I have the same book, your the illustrated book too, and it says something about that. But I think it says all of the all of the historical characters at the table are real characters, and it was yeah, yeah, uh, James Cameron's way of introducing the audience to these real historical. Hmm. Characters. But I thought it was interesting the way Rose is giving us the rundown, and it's in like the most smack talk way to introduce all the historical people. Like, you know, it's like, oh, she designs naughty lingerie among her many talents, and like <laughs> all this stuff, which um, she really did design lingerie. Um, so, little things like that. I remember uh, James Cameron had said that. that- Astor and Molly Brown were actually really good friends and had been before they even got on the Titanic. Hmm. And I remember watching uh, last night that when Molly shouts, hey, Astor, and he the way he reacts, it's it's not like they were good friends who have gone on trips together. Yeah. He, he reacts in a way of like, who's this lady screaming my name right now? Well, I mean, yeah. But I mean, it's like they are in like the dinner setting and Molly's just being Molly, just pastor. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, excuse me. Oh, why, hello, Molly. <laughs> they said that he respected her bluntness. And, mm. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I also like Molly Brown's bl- bluntness alongside Jack's bluntness and how mm. they're handled differently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like my favorite character. Yeah, like so many people love Molly. She's great. So Jack is like escorting both Rose and Molly into dinner at the same time. And uh, Molly says that line like, oh, you know, they love money. So just pretend like you own a gold mine and you're in the club. Yeah. Yeah, And so that's when she says, hey, Aster. And uh, she's like, oh, JJ Madeline, here's Jack Dawson. And then, of course, immediately he thinks he must be one of them so are you of the boston dawson's which of course that always stuck out to me as a kid because i'm from boston uh and then you know actually no the uh chippewa falls dawson's actually ah uh, yes yeah oh uh, yes oh uh, yes 
It's so good. He oh, handles man. that so nicely, though. I like how he doesn't inter- interrogate him about yeah, it. Yeah. And it's funny, though, because we've been talking about setups and payoffs a lot on this podcast. And this would have been another one. Uh, so there's like a little blurb. It says, in the film, Jack's Chippewa Falls, Dawson's actually line gets a laugh, but it was also intended to have a payoff of its own in a deleted scene confrontation with Lovejoy. And that is the really bad deleted scene that's like super extended later on when when Jack and Rose are running away from Cal shooting at them. There was an extended sequence where Cal gives Lovejoy his gun and says like, go get the diamond and if you can get it, I'll give it to you. And literally like a seven minute extended sequence of Lovejoy just walking around the di- the flooding dining saloon like in slow motion trying to find them like trying to hunt them down it like ruins the pacing it's like awful and then once he finds them him and Jack get into this ridiculous fist fight people are flying in the water like there's an obvious Jack stunt double in there like it's just it's insane and um sounds amazing and yeah and so there's a line when Jack gets locked up by Lovejoy and Lovejoy punches him and he says, compliments of Mr. Caledon Hockley. Well, in this scene, uh, Jack punches uh, Lovejoy and says, compliments of the Chippewa Falls Dawson's. (laughs) I I wish they kept that in. I'm sorry, I just just can't help but laugh. I'm like, James Cameron, like, I feel like he was just trying to put, like, any bit of action movie Terminator stuff in there, like, any any chance he could. (laughs) Yeah, it totally sounds like one of those cheesy Schwarzenegger lines. Yeah, Yeah, it's like one one of those, like, one of those zingers from one of those movies, you know? Like an 80s action movie. And True Lies where he does the cool out. The producers (laughs) probably saw that and were like, no, 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 we can't have this in the movie. (laughs) What is this? Because, yeah, I feel like, like, the movie becomes the movie in editing, you yeah. know? So he was probably like, oh, yeah, I totally want to have that in there. But then was like, yeah, it's not yeah. that movie. It's yeah, like, James we got to yeah, get rid of that. It's so funny the way it's punctuated. Like, he punctuates that line with the punch. Compliments to the Chippewa Falls. Oh! So extra. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It is. Yeah, but then I I noticed uh, we had said in the last scene as well that we got an old Rose voiceover out of nowhere with, like, no warning, no whatever. Mm. We got one again here because I was like, does that ever happen again? And then it happened again. It happens a few times. Yeah, like, they were, like, just walking through and then suddenly, he must have been nervous. And I'm like, oh, snap, right, she's talking again. Oh, where'd that come from? (laughs) This is a story again. Yeah, right. Um... It's a good line, but it doesn't. It's not necessary, I think, in this in this part. You know, he was nervous or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like she's kind of saying what we're already yeah, seeing. Yeah, again. exactly. It, it's too explicit instead of implicit, and yeah, doesn't need to be there. Everything she's saying here, we're kind of already seeing. So it's mm-hmm. he must have been nervous, but he never faltered. They assumed he was one of them. Uh, you know, heir to a railroad fortune, perhaps. New money, obviously, but still a member of the club. Mother, of course, could always be counted upon, dot, dot, dot. Like, we didn't really need any of that. Yeah. I like the cut to her mom, though. The last line she says about her mom of mother could always be counted on, and then the cut to, cut. Yeah. so yeah. tell us about you being a, a yeah, yeah, proper, yeah. you, you yeah. proper, you know? So I like that cut to. Yeah, of just it is like, good. Let me just air out your... 
who you are. Yeah, yeah, it's just like immediately, like right away. Like imagine saying that to someone. How are the accommodations in steerage? <laughs> I remember seeing when I saw it for the first time in the theaters and I remember that line of when she said, you could tell that he was nervous. And I remember yeah. thinking, I'm nervous. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm Jack. Like, yeah. we yeah. are the perspective of Jack exactly, right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was nervous, but like, this is nerve wracking. We, we, as most of people in the world, don't have any experience with this mumbo jumbo. So this is like, this is going to be a weird experience. And we're trying, I think it was to set us up as an audience of experience it from Jack's perspective. And I I think it goes back to the minute he walked in to the Mm -hmm. dome, like the, the grand staircase, like Mm -hmm. right from there where it's from Jack's perspective, I think. Or even like the look Rose looking at the camera and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we get the shot from Jack's perspective, looking at all the silverware on the table and him being like, these are all for me. (laughs) Like, you know, and then I've always remembered start from the outside and work your Mm -hmm. way in. I've always remembered that advice from Mm -hmm. this movie. I actually had to set up silverware for a really fancy banquet hotel. Yeah. I remember every time I would just say the same line of like the silverware, like start from the wing, start from the wing. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's funny. Um. You know, I've noticed people um, point out how Kate Winslet's accent goes like in and out from being mm-hmm. like American to British, American to British. Um, and it always really stands out to me here at dinner where she goes. It turns out that Mr. Dawson is quite a fine artist. He was kind enough to show me some of his work today. Where before she had said she had said like Dawson before. Mr. Dawson, I Jack. Darling, surely you remember Mr. Dawson. But now she's like Dawson with like yeah. the to- like a totally different pronunciation. Her accent is like really distracting to me. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Just uh. I mean, just because I'm, I know she's British. Yeah. And I know that she- I'm kind of picky about accents anyway, but yeah, mm-hmm. it just it stands out to me when I watch it. Yeah, I know. I know there there are people who think Rose is British. I thought she was too. Yeah, it's like it's like she. There are moments where she's. You can tell. I'm trying to talk with an American accent, sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, and then there are other moments where it like it slips up a little bit. Yeah, yeah that was that was one of my Rose impressions, by the way. That's yeah. good. But that's that's kind of interesting though. I did. I thought she was British too as a kid. And then mm-hmm. when you later realize it's just her accent like for a posh, her class. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In that at that time. And then but I also noticed I thought she was really playing up the whole posh voice around all of her. Okay, like she true. Like code switching true. kinda. Yeah. Yeah, kind of being like, Okay, I gotta be on now. Gotcha. Like mm-hmm. especially yeah. because we're with the creme de la creme right now. So I gotta yeah. pretend like I know. Yeah. Huh. It'd be interesting to, yeah, to go back and kind of see when she kind of slips up or whatever that's interesting mm-hmm. Actually. Mm-hmm. but yeah i remember i remember her getting a lot of f- flack for that later on and about like is it no one, no no one knowing she wasn't supposed to be british but but it's interesting that british people trying to do american accents also kind of also sounds like accents of that time yeah because it because yeah. when people no, that's like there's like that boston accent um what do they call it um like Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. You know how he sounds like... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, like the old school yeah. one. <laughs> Everyone name, thought he was British. Yeah, there's a name for that, though. Transatlantic? Like, yeah, maybe that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, like 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 the Kennedys, the Kennedys accent, kind of? Yeah, kind like Catherine yeah. Hepburn. Or like Frazier kind of has that accent, Like what too. we're fighting for. <laughs> like, yeah, kind of, yeah. It yeah. almost yeah. sounds like, like British. 
But hello, uh-huh. how do you do? Yeah. <laughs> you said Mr. Fee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. No, that is true. Yeah, you never think about it. That, like, Mr. Feeney does seem kind of British yeah. as well. They even have a joke in Boy Meets the World. Yeah. They're like, did you see him? The British, the British guy. guy. <laughs> 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 oh, that's oh, my God. Yeah, so, you know, all throughout the dinner, you know, Ruth and Cal specifically are, you know, throwing these jabs at, you know, Jack. So, like, Ruth asking how the accommodations are in steerage and, you know, Cal taking it one step closer to be like, Jack is joining us from the third class. Like, you know, it's like, okay, just making sure you all know. He's our entertainment for the day. Basically, basically. The invitation to like, okay, anyone else want to ask him like a really like, you know, like demeaning question? Like rats (laughs) or his food or how he makes his income. Anyone else want to chime in? Like. They're totally doing that, and then other people are just obviously more polite about yeah. it. Yeah, so they're like treating him like a circus animal. Like, let's see mm-hmm. what kind of tricks he can do. Yeah, and and I yeah. love his comebacks, right? Just like the best I've seen, ma'am. Hardly any rats, and everyone. Ha, 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 ha. But again, it's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, look at this guy. He's funny because he's poor, and listen to him. Say another poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Say another poor thing. <laughs> Talk, say more about how you're poor. It's entertaining. <laughs> I do hate how I don't know. I, every time I watch this, I hate how he says the hardly any rats line. Yeah, it's like it so is a stiff. little bit stiff. Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit stiff. It's, but... I think it's just like he says it like hardly any rats, and it's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the rest of it's good. I know what you mean, but the sentiment behind it. Yeah, yeah, I like. The I line, like though, more yeah. than the delivery. <laughs> yeah. Harkening back, actually, uh, to something in the last episode. Or the last scene, rather. The deleted scene where they're walking and talking and uh, Rose mentions how she hates caviar. And then this was supposed to be the payoff for that. Was you know, oh, yeah. and, we, and we said, without that knowledge, it just kind of, it plays as him just saying another zinger. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just him saying another, qui- you know, fast, yeah. quippy comeback. Um but and I said like I kind of like it better without the knowledge of that. But then I thought about it and I was like, actually, like it's totally fine that that's not in there because again, that would be another one too many setup and payoff. But at the same time, it's one of those things with this movie where it's like having that nugget of information in the back of your head, like knowing that that was something that went on in universe between them. It's another little secret between them, right? Yeah. Like, so, like, having that nugget of information is actually really cute. And just to think that he was really listening to her mm. in that way, he, he knows I hate it. And he just did that because he knows I hate it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, builds a, it builds the world. Yeah. Yeah. It still kind of works in a cute way, though, because we're like, obviously, he's never had cats. Exactly. Before. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. you cute, clever little poor boy. Yeah, no, exactly. Like that's why that's why I I had said that like, oh, I don't I don't really need the prior knowledge of, you know, Rose mm-hmm. having felt that way about caviar. Like it's not that important, but just it's just one of those things where when you do find out about it, it is cute and kind of nice to know, you know. Yeah. But yeah, there is a little blurb about the never did like it much line. And it just says, Jack's refusal of the caviar was originally a shared secret with Rose. Direct reference to dialogue from an eliminated scene. Um, but yeah, I just like I just like the whole secret thing. Because we, we were talking about that before, where it's like, her suicide attempt, right off the bat, is a secret they have. Like, you know. Yeah. Wasn't there another one? I feel like there was like another secret. 
Um, well, it's like they're building up this world with each other, kind of like mm-hmm. they're building up their own life in sharing things with each other that nobody else knows, like a real relationship, you know? Like, yeah, my wife and I know things about each other that nobody else knows, and it's yeah. just how it is. And it's kind of cool to see them developing it together. They shared something deeply personal, which is that she first off attempted to kill herself yes and then also that she was like well okay he obviously knows that deep dark part of me so she was like i'm just gonna tell him everything and so she just like vomited her complete discontent in life Mm -hmm. which no one else seems to know and she's like i said that in the times you don't talk about your feelings especially as a woman in society so she's just like okay i have nothing to hide from this person he knows my my lowest moment like, yeah my lowest moment that i couldn't even tell my fiance my mom even my maid trudy she doesn't even know so it's like i can tell you so it's just yeah. kind of like that it's it's interesting the connections people can have when you just tell them something you haven't told anyone else yeah yeah i, I often have had this like philosophy that if you tell people things like if you're just open about things you'd be surprised at how much how many people will be open to you about things too and i mean obviously there are things that should remain personal to a degree i think it back in the day especially like people were so closed off about just their every emotion they didn't want to say they just swept things under the under the rug and uh i think now we're getting to the point where people are more open about like their issues or like you know like things like mental health too like yeah. It's kind of coming out too and uh, it's things we should talk about and I've always realized that if you tell people things that are kind of more personal to you then you'd be surprised by how much trust you build with that person just by oh, yeah. um, revealing mm-hmm. certain things Oh yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. You had mentioned in passing as well though there's, there's more building that went on than people think or yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. you know. It's not like a Romeo and Juliet where it's just like, oh, they're eyeing each other yeah, and now we're going to be together so forever. Platonic. We yeah. shared something something messed up, whether it was, you know, yeah. contemplating ending life. We shared really dark stuff with each other. I'm trying to think, in the deleted scenes, does Jax share anything super personal? Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. I, I, I said that in one of the scenes. Too. Oh, yeah, like they have another secret. All, and I was like, well, then again, like he hasn't really shared that with her, mm-hmm. anything with her yet. But at the same time, the way he kind of carries himself is just very open in general. So it's not that he, I don't even think he would have many secrets. secrets. He would just, if she asked something, he would tell her Yeah. or whatever. Another really basic human thing that I think none of us really notice is like the huge value of being asked questions about yourself. Yeah. Yes. And, like, I always tell people, of like, they're not your friends if they don't ask questions about exactly. yourself. They just talk mm-hmm. about themselves instead. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack asks Rose so many questions, exactly. probably more questions than she's ever been asked. And I'm sure it just was like, oh, my God, I'm actually having an interaction with another human being. Yeah. Yep. And she's probably like, I probably have never really had this before. And then I also really like how her maid Trudy asked about her paintings. And I was like, that was probably so significant to her. Yeah. I know, true. yeah. She's like, what's the artist's name? You know, like, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, and I'm yeah. like, thank you for asking. No one ever asked about my painting. Did, <laughs> does Trudy make it? No, she falls when the ship is 
Uh, okay. She, she's one of the people who has the the, the rolls on her stomach oh. in the, yes. the special effects. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. the one who goes Phew, when yeah. the the ship is tilted. But I just I just did think though. I mean, Jack did tell her about his parents dying. Um, you know that sort of stuff. Which I mean, you know, he sounds like an open book talking about it though. Mm-hmm. So like, it doesn't sound like something he wouldn't necessarily not tell anyone else. Um, but I mean, but he's still opening up and like telling him, you know, telling her about himself. Um, and I think it's actually interesting because I think I mentioned, uh, in the last scene as well, uh, that here in this dinner scene, his original speech was a little bit more personal at the dinner table. Like he was telling everyone at the dinner table about how his father died in a fire, how blah, 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 how like these more very personal things and then the speech ended up being a bit more universal um and so i think it's interesting that you know they maybe like switched that up a little bit and said well not actually like let's keep um this more universal thing you know for jack telling these people and then like actually talking about his parents dying have him talk about that with rose you know Mm -hmm. so that that creates a different level there because yeah. if he was just like saying that to stuff to the whole yeah. table of first class people my father died in a fire it's like okay so he's just telling everybody yeah, like does, you know like he doesn't even care about these people so why would he tell them that stuff yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that's interesting mm-hmm. but yeah so of course he's being beat down really by ruth and cal here like asking yeah how he gets from place to place and how is it you have means to travel all of the inflections like embedded into my mind she wants to make sure that he's all right you know i know right she says it with like that air that she says it with is just so like i can't wait to hear this one like, it's like know? when i told people i was a music major they're like so what do you plan on doing with that I'm like, <laughs> uh, I, i've gotten that so many times yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure you have too yeah. Yeah. Like actually going to like music college, yeah. like period. It's like, yeah. So what are you going to do when you get out? I'm like, that's like, such an same- insulting question. Yeah. yeah. Same thing when I did photography. Yeah. I was like, I'm going full time. And they're like, okay, but what are you going to do f- for your mo- for, for money? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, exactly. That? That's if that doesn't work out. It's like, yeah. Ugh. It's like, so what about, what about your real job though? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I get that also asked it all the time. Like, and what's your full time job? Yeah. Yeah. It's annoying. Ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, uh, Ruth is asking him, where do you live? And, you know, he's just super open about it. Well, you know, my address right now is the RMS Titanic, uh, literally. And um, after that, I'm on God's good humor, just wherever I end up. And uh, mm-hmm. he says that he basically just hops his way place to place, uh, however he can get somewhere. And that he won his ticket um, on Titanic at a lucky hand of poker, and then looks over to Rose, a very lucky hand, you know, and they have another little, you know, communication there. Um, and of course, all life is a game of luck. <laughs> a real man makes his own luck, Archie. Everything sort of comes to a head, right? You know, he's taken one too many questions here, and then it's when Ruth says, you know, and you find that sort of rootless existence appealing, do you? And she's just like judging him so hard about, you know, how he lives. And uh, and I love that cut to Molly Brown as well, the way she's just like, girl, are mm-hmm. you kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you can tell Jack is like, okay, how do I answer this one? And he's just like, 
kind of I mean, like another office reference, but it reminded me of like Michael Scott, where he's like, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know where I'm going to end up, but I just hope I get there. Uh, You know, he's just like, well, yes, ma'am, I do. Um, I have everything I need. And then like just starts going off and ends at like the best thing ever. It's just so great. We, we, what we were already seeing and what that old Rose voiceover told us, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how he never faltered. He stood his ground. Uh, I always say like he owned his poorness. And so, you know, so he says that great speech got everything I need right here with me. Got air in my lungs and a few blank sheets of paper. I mean, I love waking up in the morning not knowing what's gonna happen or who I'm gonna meet, where I'm gonna wind up. Just the other night I was sleeping under a bridge and now here I am on the grandest ship in the world having champagne with you fine people. I'll take some of that. I figure life's a gift and I don't intend on wasting it. You never know what hand you're gonna get dealt next. You learn to take life as it comes at you, to make each day count. Well said, Jack. Yeah, yeah. To make me count. To make, make it count. count. On my wall, I have an abridged version of the quote, like painted in a really ugly stencil. Actually, I'd kind of want to redo that. Um, but I just have, I figure life's a gift and I don't intend on wasting it, dot, 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 to make each day count. From that, one of the main reasons why I had you come on this podcast episode, Liz, is that we both have tattoos that say make it count, mm-hmm. which obviously we took from this movie. And uh, that's how we basically met online was I found your blog. I think it was... I remember it really clearly, actually. I think it was called, like, Make It Count, the Titanic post, or, like, something like that. I wish I could find it. I wish you still had the post, because I wanted to go to it, yeah. Back then, I don't know if, any if like, people just weren't posting pictures of their tattoos, but, like, I didn't find, like, anyone else that had had it then. Like, now, a bunch of other people I've seen have it. But, well, um, they don't matter. It's mine. Yeah. <laughs> but like back then, I had already made up my mind that I was going to get that. And then I was just curious to see if anyone else had it. And then I found your blog. And then I was like reading your blog. And then like you were like, oh, I do photography. And I was like, oh, I love that stuff too. Oh, snap. We have like a lot in common. I'm going to like add you on Facebook <laughs> like a weirdo. But I'm just going to be like, hey. We have a lot of parallel stuff in common. It's kind of crazy. At that time, I felt really insecure about posting my blog post about my love for Titanic because mm. obviously Titanic's really polarizing and yes, you never know if you bring it up, someone's going to roll their eyes and be like, oh gosh, that mm-hmm. chick flick, you know, it, so yeah. I was always really scared to bring it up and put it out there, but you reaching out to me was like the perfect inspiration and example of why I should always share my life because right. of what I got back yeah. from it, you know, right. and I know we met, and then, yeah. you, and then you photographed Shannon's wedding, and like I know, all and then we stuff. got a, I got to fly and meet you all, all of you guys, and that wedding yeah. was so fun. It really, it really proved to me of like people should really not be afraid to put what they love out there because yeah. it might come back to you. And I remember doing like a really tiny little interview about a, a photography, and I briefly mentioned scary stories to tell in the dark, mm-hmm. and then someone making the documentary about that book reached out to me mm-hmm. and I was like see this is why people shouldn't be afraid to talk about what they love yeah. and put it yeah. out there well, it'll were, come back to you were you involved in the documentary yeah I'm actually in it randomly oh sick I haven't seen it yet <laughs> I just know like on, I'm a big uh, Goosebumps fan and Arl Stein's is in it so that's why I was I know uh, 
that's cool. I have to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. I'm too afraid to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Amazon, YouTube. You can pretty much buy okay. it anywhere. Okay, cool. But yeah, in terms of uh, putting your love out for Titanic out there, obviously it's it's worth putting out there because then you get to meet other people like you. And I, I I hadn't met anyone who had loved Titanic the way I did. So and hearing you guys talk in the last few episodes, or the you know, I was just like, oh god, they're saying everything that I wish I could talk to someone else about. Right, you know? though? <laughs> yeah. And then right? even your first episode got me so emotional because I was like, other people had this experience, too. It wasn't just me. Like, mm-hmm. something had happened to all of us at different times, yeah. you know? Like, even just earlier today when you were just when you were saying that, after you saw the movie for the first time, you had that thought of, like, okay, this is probably something that's going to stick with me forever. Like, I had the same exact thought after I watched it for the first time, I said, this is going to be my favorite movie forever. Like, the, mm-hmm. the, the forever word. We both had that word uh, and, like, knew that this was something that important um, yeah. when we were little kids. Like, little kids, you know? So it's just it's really interesting. I mean, as far as, like, getting the tattoo and everything, how old were you when you got it? I was 19, but I knew I wanted it. I was 19, like- too. Wait, no, I think I knew that. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, because I was 19 as well. I got it on my 19th birthday. Oh my god, this is so weird. Okay, yeah. And it's still my only tattoo because I am really particular about, uh, not particular about tattoos, but it's like, the way I explain it is I'm picky about what I have on my walls because I'm like, I'm going to eventually be over it in a mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So I don't want to feel that way about my tattoos. Right. And there's, there's still tattoos I want, but I'm like, but I'm going to be over it in a year. And I knew mm-hmm. that this was something I will never be over. Yes, and exactly. I, yeah, exactly. and I knew that I wanted it since I was a kid. Because mm-hmm. um, before I got the make account, I was planning on getting the uh, the blueprints somewhere, yes. but mm. still haven't gotten around to that. Um, but yeah, I knew I wanted it for over a decade. So I was just like, even when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to get a Titanic tattoo. Mm-hmm. So it's still my only tattoo. <laughs> yeah, and it's no, but James Cameron's that, handwriting, too. I know, I know. It. That's what I'm jealous about, though, because I remember, like, yeah, you have it in the same um, uh, cursive uh, as the note. Yeah, the same hand, the same handwriting as the note that they show. Which, of course, well, we didn't get to that yet, but we all know Jack does his speech. Um, dinner ends. You know, Rose is like, "Oh, all the rich people are going to go off go? and do this. Be so predictable." And of course, they are. Uh, mm. Which you know, some people have a problem with the depiction of like, "Oh, the first class men are ho 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 so predictable. We're going to go drink our brandies," and um, you know, and then the third class people are more like real people. Um, they were like that. I mean, <laughs> back, back then they were more predictable. It's not, I mean, you know, like now it's different, yeah. but I feel like they were, I mean, maybe not everybody, but I feel like they were yeah. more predictable back then. Though. Maybe. Back to the tattoos. Um, yeah, I felt the same way because, you know, it was my, it was my first tattoo. I have more tattoos now, but that was my first tattoo. And I was the same way. Like I knew that that was going to be my first tattoo because... I have not loved anything longer than I've loved Titanic other than music. And it was the first thing I remember loving, like so much so that I was obsessed. Every single frame of the movie feels like home in a way that like, I can't even explain it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the weirdest thing. Like I just see any any frame from Titanic and I'm just like, yep, that's me. Like that's an extension of me, 
in a in a really weird way so mm-hmm. I knew that obviously like I would never regret that and then also the meaning behind it of course is like something that is not something you just grow out of it's like it's a motto for life you know mm-hmm. um so that's why I knew that it was something a solid idea for the first tattoo um and yeah but I was jealous when I found yours and saw that you got it in the handwriting as the of the note because I was debating I was like oh I want it to be like exactly from the movie but then my mom got in my head she was like no you want to make sure it's legible so people can tell what it says and then I'm like yeah but it's art like I want it to be a thing like you know but, but I got in my head too much it was my first tattoo and I was like okay it should be legible so I spent forever picking a font cursive-ish enough but where each letter was se- was still separate Just space mm-hmm. so like it looks fancy but each letter separate so you can clearly see so yeah i didn't want mine to be legible i didn't want people asking me about <laughs> it because <laughs> i didn't want that whole like oh god i have to explain why it means so much to me and they're just not going to get it how do you explain that to someone in just a quick little word you know but luckily mm-hmm. no one no one's asked me in years and years and years and also i don't know it's like blending in now because it's it's like 10 years old. Oh, God, I just realized it's 10 years old. <laughs> but, oh, no, yeah. But you can kind of see it's like blending in a little bit now. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like blowing out a little bit, I guess. Yeah, but I kind of like that. Getting a little thicker. Yeah. Yeah that, yeah, that happens. I also have that same tattoo. Oh, my God, wow. <laughs> I, know, I never tell told us you earlier. I, I forgot. You're just full of surprises today. First, you told us Leo's hair was a wig. Now you're dropping this on us my god but yeah other than like you know the phrase itself being pretty self-explanatory and it being from titanic which you love is there like any other like reason why it meant that much to you to get it on your body forever um i think the only well you can you could hear the phrase make it count and it seems so obvious you know but there's so mm-hmm. many meanings to what it could mean and I remember when in senior year I had to do a a essay about a, a Victorian uh novel and I chose the age of innocence and I feel like that message of the movie is really similar to Titanic where it's like this high high Victorian society is completely revolved around how do we secure our future financially and our mm-hmm. social status mm-hmm. and it's these two people who can't be together but they want to be together so bad and they're at the other just kind of like, oh, to hell with it. We're going to be together. But it reminded me of Titanic in the sense of tomorrow's not promised. You, yep. Our relationships are not even promised. Like mm-hmm. the only um, and um, in the in the commentary, I wrote it down because I was like, oh, this is how I would perfectly explain it. Of like the real motif of the film is the experiences of your life, not monetary value or social status, which is so obvious. Mm-hmm. But just the idea that everything is fleeting, even your it's, this is where it gets really sad. Even your family, even your relationships, yep. mm-hmm. even even the thing you work so hard at, like your career, um, even things like technology, like everything just isn't promised. And at yes. the end, are you going to be focusing on that or what you did? Yeah. What you yeah. left behind. What? Yeah. What you did with your time here. Yeah. And I know my mom, my mom came from really, uh, really a different background she grew up in 
a barn with no electricity, no running water all her life in like a barn in the middle of nowhere, Mexico. You literally had to cross a river by foot just to get to her barn. Mm. And she didn't even see a movie until she was 17 years old. So like hearing wow. her life versus mine was so bizarre. And I remember that also gave me perspective of like, none of this really matters of what we're trying for. Like I, what really matters is finding that human connection with people and she's always telling me, you need to start saving your money instead of going on all these trips. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be thinking about how I should have made more money at the end of my life. And, no. And I think since I photograph weddings, my whole purpose is to photograph moments and experiences. I'm thinking, obviously, I have to photograph flowers. But I don't think on these brides' deathbeds, they're going to be thinking, we should have had more hydrangeas. Like, I think they're <laughs> yeah. going to be thinking about something else entirely. Yeah, yeah that you so, realize what matters and what doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. And especially as adults now noticing that has completely, it's just like inherently in us as humans to stop focusing on moments and relationships. One of my my mottos for my business is little moments matter, which sounds so cheesy, but it's, <laughs> but it's true. I, I can't let go of it. Of like, it's even this moment right now will never happen again. Mm-hmm. How are we going to make it count? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think about this all the time, too. No, me too. Honestly, though, like, I'm kind of morbid that way, though. Every day. Every day. Like, when I wake up and I realize I'm alive again. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, but one day I will be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Because when, when, like, you lay down and, like, you feel your heart beating and it's just like a constant reminder. Like, this is just a shell that will give out one day. Yeah. It's it's scary in that way. and It's crazy to think about. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's why... um, you know when you said like you know everything's fleeting nothing's promised that's why i love this quote and just jack and everything that james cameron brought to the movie in relation to the titanic disaster as far as like conveying what it was really about to a mass audience Mm -hmm. um i think you know, we've said this before about how people hate the love story. They hate everything. People are afraid of vulnerability. That's why. Yes. Yeah. Yes. People. And I think that's why Titanic is like one of the cool movies to hate on these days because it's so earnest. It's so. It's vulnerable. Yeah. It's it's just so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's introspective, too. And people don't like being reminded of their own introspective life. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, God. Yeah. I'm probably not living my life to the fullest. And that's another reason why it's hard for me to watch Titanic. Not because of the introspective. I think about that all the time. <laughs> but about like, oh, this is my childhood. This represents my childhood. And the realization of watching it again. And I'm like, I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah. I still yeah. feel like a kid, but I yes. know I'm not. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And even just like the freedom of free time. I don't yes. have that anymore. So it's just like. It, it's triggering. So I think there's just a lot of triggers in Titanic for people, whether yeah. it's vulnerability or, God, did I really, you know, make it count or something. And But it's funny, though, because I feel like so many people overlook everything we're talking about right now. Yeah. But I think, like, subconsciously, people realize a lot of what we're saying. And I think it's that subconscious that doesn't, that knows why they don't like it or that knows why they've stigmatized, like, uh romantic storyline mm-hmm. you know what i mean but consciously they just see it as oh this is cheesy or like this is um just a love story or whatever but i think yeah. that subconsciously people know why if they really looked into it they would know why they don't like this movie or why they think they don't like this movie or why they talk mm-hmm. bad about this movie 
Yeah. But yeah, just like that's just like one of the other things that I really like in relation to telling the story of Titanic specifically is that it's like no one on board knew what was going to happen. This was the most promised thing to them at that moment, I think. Like they were like, we are on this freaking grand ship. Like no one was thinking at all that what happened was going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a little on the nose when you think about it, you know, like Jack's you know preaching there kind of being like oh live your life to the fullest basically like make each day count when you really get into the movie you forget that you're on a ship that's gonna sink yeah yeah you're just kind of watching this guy you're getting to know these people you're totally not thinking about the fact that yeah eventually this movie is going to take a turn yeah you get lost in it Pretty much. Yeah, you get lost in it, yeah. Until Rose starts her voiceover. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But even still, even still. Yeah, you 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 definitely get get lost in the story. Yeah, you get wrapped up in this whole narrative and the story that they're telling. And so, yeah, so at that moment, you're just sort of really listening to what he's saying. And then by the time tragedy strikes and you think back, it's like everything comes together. And um, yeah. Yeah. I love the viewpoint of all the money in the world, all the social status in the world can't save you from the fact that we're all humans, we're all going to die. Yeah. And it could be tomorrow night. Yeah, like, I know. Oh, God, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> well, for them, it was tomorrow night. So I'm just like, God, they're just like acting so like pompous. And I know well, they and don't it, know that. And, yeah. And that's where like the make it count really comes into play. Like you have to be prepared that any of this is going to happen. Like you don't want to live your life with regrets I mean no one should but you know what I mean you need to be mm-hmm. living just live your life make it count live it to the fullest and appreciate everything because you mm-hmm. and I think that's the point of it too like what you're saying these people are all dying well not all of them but like a lot of these people yeah. are dying they're all going to be faced with imminent yeah. death and so yeah. if they're just spending their time um, making fun of a poor kid like <laughs> The big takeaway from Make It Count, too, is, like, I think it could easily be misinterpreted as um, Make It Count career, Make It Count, yeah. you know, yeah. financial. Yeah. But I take it more of, like, did was I my true self? Did I do what I wanted to do? Exactly. Was I who yep. I wanted to be? Did I tell people that I loved them when I had the chance to tell them that? Yeah. Um, and we kind of see that just, when Cal says to Making It Count, it's like, well, you don't mean that like how Jack means it. Like, when he's saying it, he just means, like, you know he means it so like uh i don't know the word i'm looking for but he means it just so in like a career aspect probably or like yeah um making money and making i don't even sh- think he says it does he no I think he, he just gives he, a face it's i didn't notice it for the first time yesterday it was so yeah. good yeah no everyone says make it count and he realizes that he's the only one that didn't raise his glass yeah, yeah, and yeah. the face he gives of like oh god the tables have switched. Everyone is actually really moved by what this kid said. Yeah. And he, and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. <laughs> like that little nod he gives. It's like a little eyebrow raise. He's like, like see, yeah. I'm, I'm playing along. I'm being nice. It's like, I guess <laughs> this just happened somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I love that moment. I never noticed how he's just doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, you said like everything that I think about the tattoo as well. Just like a human thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not so much of, like you said, like make this part of your thing count. Like I'm going to make it count and become 
famous or like whatever like yeah. you know what i mean it's just more of yeah. like you know i take you know, the superficial are... things out the arbitrary yeah. things out yes are you yes. doing what you feel inside you want to mm-hmm. do and i mm-hmm. think yeah yeah because it's like you can't take it with you yeah it's not even about rose being suddenly a party person or suddenly like be, just trying to break away from not being a socialite it's her like following being herself it's like yes. that's all it really was about mm-hmm and finally seeing Jack be himself, which I think it's interesting that Molly Brown has like is never really doted on as far as Rose's worldview. Did she ever get inspired by Molly Brown or did she see her as vulgar, you know? Yeah. I never yeah. I never noticed that because like she's kind of that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's just like one of those things where like, you know, how it's hard to see like when your parents tell you something you don't listen to them but then if like somebody like boyfriend or girlfriend tells you the same thing it's like you take it to heart Mm -hmm. differently like you see it in a different perspective because she is falling for Jack like she's or she admires him and has like this like love so to speak for him early on like everything he says she's like yeah Yeah. like this is (laughs) yeah yeah and Molly Brown is still part of the rich club. Yeah, so I exactly. Guess that, let's take it away. Yeah, or yeah, or she just doesn't analyze it. I guess to that degree. Yeah, mm. I have a fun fact about Molly Brown, and I asked my friend if I could mention this. Okay. Okay. But uh, my best friend actually dated Molly Brown's uh, one of his great great grandsons. Whoa, that's cool. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't a long like affair. It was like one or two little flirtings mm. but I was just like can I mention that because that's so bizarre that's really to me. cool that's so cool and then I was and then that's it and I'm like and then okay. she's it. like we we didn't date date it was just like two little flirty date things okay still that's insane to me <laughs> because she lived in Denver the rest of her life and a lot a lot of people move around this area yeah. in Denver mm. and for a universe for universities go so gotcha. that's cool but as a kid, I could not understand why Rose's mom didn't want Jack. Right. For Ro- like, because obviously I'm a kid in the 90s. Social class didn't mean anything to me. But I'm just like, mm-hmm. he's so gorgeous. I don't understand. Are you blind? <laughs> like, you don't want them to be together? And he's so much more fun. And yep. And so I never understood that line where she was like, she looked at him like a bug that must yeah. be squashed. I'm like... Okay, so I don't understand her mom one bit. Um, She's like, I don't care. You don't have thin enough eyebrows. <laughs> I know, honestly. Your eyelashes aren't as yeah. as nice as Cal's. <laughs> um, one thing that I really noticed as a as a photographer who works like a lot on light and color to make things look dreamy is this is where the part of the film starts its uh, warm gold tones Mm -hmm. because there's three constant tones in this film and then they're broken up into thirds and the first third is a white highlight tone yeah the second is a gold warm tone and then the last third is the bluish cold tone Mm -hmm. and i remember the dinner scene is when things start to get really hazy and like the way the cinematographer lit it so beautiful and they actually have they have smoke in the room too to Mm -hmm. make it look more yeah more magic yeah and things start to look gold and then obviously once once uh they go into the gym and then they start the i'm flying scene things start getting gold from here on out Mm -hmm. until that and then the moment the iceberg hits is when things turn blue blue yep but i just remember thinking like 
I always felt so warm and almost like that warm, lovey feeling when you have a drink or two, you know, when the dinner scene starts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, this is when the real flirting is starting to happen. And um, in that illustrated screenplay, uh, there's a, a note. It's all the way over there. I can't grab it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a note James Cameron made about trying to direct Rose in this scene or Caitlin's in this scene where he says you and Jack are communicating on a level that no one even notices or senses you're communicating only on looks and glances Mm -hmm. and that has stuck with me more than anything out of this film Mm. especially considering my job and especially considering that I want to make films and thinking that the subtext between two characters it's not just about what they say it's about how they communicate yeah Yeah, what they communicate Mm -hmm. with looks and um i always think that's interesting of how do you convey that two people deeply love each other without blatantly just making them embrace you know Mm -hmm. backtracking a little bit to before jack slips rose that note um they make a point to show that he borrowed the pen and paper from molly um Oh, is, is that what he handed back? Oh, I was trying to figure out what he was handing to her. Yeah, he was handing her oh, back the pen. He I was like, you. thanks, Molly. That makes more yeah. sense. So it's kind of funny, like, Molly's in on this whole thing. As she puts the pen away, it's like she kind of knows what is yeah. happening. I like to think she would have yeah. been the maid of honor if they got married. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Aww. Oh, God. Let the fan fiction begin. Yeah. Anyway, so I think... <laughs> There's a line here, of course, so he has the note all hidden, and he says, you know, she goes, so she goes, Jack, must you go? And we get our second slave line in the movie, where he says, it's time for me to go row with the other slaves. Like, he's referring to, like, those galley slaves, right? Yeah. Like, the, the slaves, they're, like, literally people who would row a ship and they're like on the ship and he's just making this joke of how it's like well these people might as well think of me as one of those people i'm just it's time for me to just go back to where i might as well be just you know rowing this darn ship uh you know it's like i thought that was obviously the better of the two uh slave lines in the movie if you're gonna remember the um, to me it was a slave ship oh that's right yeah but yeah this one and i gotta say too it's also better Then what was originally written, which was Jack was supposed to say, it's time for my coach to turn back into a pumpkin. (laughs) Wow. I'm glad that everyone spoke up, though. Yeah, I mean... They mentioned that a lot, where they're like, someone said they hated this. Yeah. And I'm like, good for them. I feel like you have to say that with James Cameron, otherwise you're going to have some ridiculous dialogue. Apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger never spoke up. No, he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Or Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank God. And it was actually an ad lib by DiCaprio, apparently. The slave oh, really? line. Yeah, apparently. That's a good ad lib. Anything's better than the coach and the pumpkin. I'm just yeah. putting that out there. <laughs> so, yeah, so he slips throws the note. She opens it, like, hastily, which I kind of like. She's just like, oh, Jesus, like, give me, I'm going to open it. And it just, you know, make it count. Meet me at the clock. And... I, I, something about just that note, just to make it count, meet me at the clock. I think it's like, because this is a moment for Rose where he's presented her with this opportunity or like um, this chance sort of. And it's really up to her to decide, am I going to go meet him <laughs> or am I going to, you know, reject this or whatever? 
um, because he's really trying to encourage her to start living the life she wants. And it's, it's, and like you were saying, Liz, it's like as small as like, you know, it's not about her being a party person and going off to this party, but it's just more about starting to like take chances to work towards being who you are, like being Mm -hmm. free, being like quote unquote free, but you know what I mean? Uh, Free as an individual. Um, yeah, and so I've I've just always loved that sort of as like an invitation, and how and how straightforward it is to make mm-hmm. a count. Period. Meet me at the clock. Exclamation point. Mm-hmm. And who knows what will happen after that? Like she doesn't even know. Like she has no idea what he's going to tell her when she meets him there. You yeah. know, which is actually kind of interesting. So she's literally just taking a leap of faith. Okay, I'm just going to trust this guy. He's telling me to make a count and meet him at the clock. So I mm-hmm. guess I'm just going to meet him. It's like her first step in her like new adventurous self, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wondering last night when I was watching it, because how close an eye they keep on her. And I'm like, how did they just let her go? Yeah. You know? I but I mean, honestly, her. Cal went off. To the Cal, smoking yeah, room. Yeah. Um, Ruth, I mean, Rose has been out doing whatever a lot so far yeah. on the ship, you know? And then they keep a close eye on her after the party, after they see how much yeah. fun she's yeah. having. But I didn't realize until yesterday that she had her own suite. I thought she shared her suite with Cal and her mom all this time. And then I just never Well, I mean, it's all connected. But, yeah. like, she has her own, like, room. Yeah, and that she could basically hide from them if she needs to. Interesting. But they they still had to have sex in the car. That's because they were being chased. Also, the danger, you know, how could you not? I thought I loved how teenager it was, too. It is. I love the scene where they're running. It's so, I love it so much. It's so freeing and adorable. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, as I was writing my notes with the make account, meet me at the clock. As I was writing, meet me at the clock, I was thinking of something else again. And I was like, oh, snap, like time when we're talking about making our lives count it has to do with time like the time we have Mm -hmm. um and so i was just thinking of how obviously um you know her meeting him at the clock is a a setup for the very end of the movie when she essentially i believe you know dies goes to titanic heaven whatever you want to believe um and you know i thought like well, I mean, that's her. No, it, was no, her yeah. it meant so much to her. Um, recently, I thought of it as like she made her life count, and now she's meeting him back at the clock to be like, "Look what I did! Yeah. I, I made it count, literally." Yeah. Um, and so I just, um, I don't know, just something about making that connection between the clock and time, and like actually the time that we have to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of liked that connection when I, I never really yeah. thought of it before like I that. So my, uh, actually my tattoos just says, meet me at the clock. <laughs> <laughs> it's a companion to the other tattoo. <laughs> it's a companion to ours. Yeah. yeah. So like we have to walk over to you and like put our yeah. arms near yeah, you like, to yeah. line them up. Yeah. It's a friendship tattoo. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> um, do you guys know what the, what the clock said when he first got there? Why is it a continuity thing? No, I just, I just, okay. I like noticing ridiculous details. I is think it, I remember this. What it's is nine, it? It's nine, right? No, when he, when he gets, oh yeah, at the end it's nine, but when he, like at the beginning of the dinner scene. Oh. What, 
Why? So we know like what time dinner started. Yeah, it's just interesting like how long it went for. Okay, let me see. Let me see. I'm pulling it up. I gotta see this now. I think it's seven. It's like seven o five or like it's a little bit after seven. I think. Yeah, it's seven o five. That's how long. Dinner. So dinner was like two hours. That's probably how long it was though back then. Yeah. But it also got me thinking like, how did time zones work? Like when you're on. A ship like that a ship going, yeah like across the ocean and i looked it up and i guess it's like every 15 degrees or something it's one hour but i was like i wonder if they were like every time they crossed over they'd like turn the clocks back or <laughs> jet lag that'd be so, yeah that'd be like a pain constantly losing or gaining an hour as you i was like go. yeah i was like thinking about that because they all because they, like they would all have to like be keeping track of their their watches and stuff and like constantly yeah, yeah. for or I, back, yeah. I would figure it's like on planes, like we just stay in just the same time zone we left instantly. in until we get there. Yeah, but the yeah. thing with planes, it's only like a few hours. The ship, you're on there for like what? It was like seven days or something. Days, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Yeah. That's interesting. The daylight would be all jacked up and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I was just thinking See? about it. Don't think about these things. Rose sees Jack standing from behind, waiting at the clock. The clock is. Uh, dinging or whatever is there a specific word for that dinging yeah yeah chiming. sounding the chime? chiming chiming yeah chiming dinging <laughs> yeah the clock <laughs> the clock is chiming um and i love the way you know they show um it's it's also ooh this time we get rose's perspective as she walks up the steps it's jack looking at us now okay i didn't notice like that. we see her like we see, but her, but his back is to her while she's taking this deep breath, and like you know, going to hold up her dress a little bit to walk up the steps. Which again, I love seeing that too, right? You know, she's like, okay, like I know that whatever's happening right now, I'm making a decision, and who knows where this decision is going to lead to. But she's just taking a deep breath and going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then as she walks up the steps it switches to her point of view and jack turns around and smiles at us and asks so you want to go to a real party and that's the end of the scene finally <laughs> i know <laughs> but isn't this the longest scene like the Is it? longest like, like i remember watching a featurette yeah i remember watching a featurette about the dinner scene and they say this is the longest like like scene as not as the DVD scenes but you know oh I think it took the longest to shoot or something like that oh yeah something like that yeah because like all the different camera angles like Mm -hmm. they had to have they had to do the scene over and over and over and over again and they like and resetting makeup and food yeah Mm -hmm. yeah 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 that makes sense yeah that's crazy to think about that yeah because with the attention to detail it's like someone couldn't in one shot have caviar on their thing but it was like before they served the caviar or like mm-hmm. whatever whatever like I don't know yeah something like that yeah crazy put, put the fork back got mm-hmm. someone's job to pay attention to all of that yep it's crazy same ah. with when they had to drain the set oh my god I know they put it drain it dry it mm-hmm. reset everything do it again like that's again why I'm just like people like you gotta respect Titanic at least for that they don't think about it who goes through this trouble anymore Mm-hmm. No one. It's all CGI. It doesn't matter anymore. That's true. God. Yeah, I mean, I, know, but- I much prefer practical. 
Yes. It's like yes. Way, if it can be done, do it. Yeah, if it can be done practic- practically, practical effects, it looks like a million times better. I also noticed that the the lamps on the dinner tables weren't actually on the Titanic. Like, yeah, okay. I'd heard about that. They did they it um, for extra lighting for the scene, and apparently. I love that they did that, though, because, like I said, it adds that warm, gold, like, mm-hmm. love drunk vibe now of, mm-hmm. okay, we're in a good place now where characters can thrive together yeah. for a day. And yeah. Then, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I just, I I think it's so interesting when you pay attention to the color and the lighting. Yeah, kind of has, like, yes. that Gatsby and vibe almost oh yeah similar like goldish yeah yeah. like they're all like it's that like a they're all kind of enjoying each other's company i guess enjoying in quotes but uh there's even that parallel shot of him as gaps raising yeah Yeah. raising the glass yes and all the fan theories this was actually jack dawson (laughs) like please stop (laughs) he washed up on the shore in inception when you guys were kids, did you think Jack and Rose were real characters for a short time? Um, I don't ever think I did, actually. I, I, I think I always knew that it wasn't that they were fictional. I don't know how I knew. I think I just assumed. I think I might have thought. I, I think I just was had to look it up or something. No. I just I watched I, my first time watching it all the way through. I was older, so mm. um, I probably just was yeah. like, oh, internet. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking they were real for like three months yeah. and then realizing there's some magazine. I'm sure there were all those like Titanic Teen Bot magazines yeah. and realizing oh, that they yeah, weren't yeah. real. So yeah. that was a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, but I think I think that's it for the scene. I mean, I, I hope so. Know. Are you sure? Like, I feel like maybe there's some other stuff. <laughs> Let's just go I mean, for one more hour. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there probably is, my God, but yeah. Oh, man. But I know we went off topic a few times, too, in there, yeah. so there'll be some stuff to cut out, but... Um, Thanks for listening to me talk about stuff. <laughs> I was literally no, like, yeah. I don't think I have anything to talk about, and then I'm like, no, you have things to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I thought that with, like, both of these podcasts that we started, like, I knew that, you know, anything that you're talking about is going to present things to talk about, you know? At the very least, we're going to be telling the summary of the... Plot of what's happening, yeah. And, like, same with this. It's like, no matter what, it's like, we're going to have a scene to talk about, and I'm sure that that's going to present other Mm. things, which it does, so... But yeah, so unless there's anything else you want to say, Liz... Oh, God, I have no idea. I don't know, did I... (laughs) Yeah, I know it was awesome. You shared, <laughs> you shared so many great things. You were so articulate. Yeah, it was really good. Um, with everything you said, you, I really, really like. Honestly, I was like, ooh, I was like, maybe we should have a third person That's on the podcast now. That's what I was thinking now. too. Yeah, I was like, man, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Anytime, yeah. you guys, I'll talk. Yeah, for honestly, yeah. honestly, though, we'll have to have you back on whatever scenes you want to come back on for or something, yeah. and we should have oh, you back because this was really good. Oh it's always nice to have another voice in the mix mm-hmm. sometimes, especially someone someone else who really loves the movie, really like understands it, has that sort of um but 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 again, like someone like you, you know, who was removed from it for a little bit and then saw it again, like I think that's an even more interesting third perspective to the group right now Ethan you've pretty much only seen it all the way through once right and now you're like uh, watching the scenes yeah 
Yeah, like once and a half. So like that's interesting. So like you have that and then mm-hmm. me who's like watched it obsessively over and over and over, yeah. like at least at least like I said a hundred times or whatever. <laughs> that's, ex- um, that's crazy. And then and then repeatedly into adulthood too, I get in yeah. these phases where I'll just watch it, watch it, watch yeah. it, watch it, watch it. And then Liz you have, you yeah. know, you 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 were like no for like twelve years straight or something, and then saw it again, and then no again, and then like I had to save it. I had to save it. I think a lot of oh, I don't know. I'm like I have so much frustration with people <laughs> getting on the love story, like hating on the love story aspect of yeah. it all, because yes. to me, I don't only see it as a love story. I see it as like this is a deep camaraderie these are partners in crime like these are two people who are gonna be best friends even if they don't end up as lovers forever like yeah and i don't i'm mad that people can't see past that because you see other love stories and i don't feel that camaraderie like i feel that romance and that sexual attraction but i don't feel a camaraderie yeah it's hard to find that oh my gosh yes you just like you just pointed out what's wrong with like most romance movies because it's like <laughs> you know I tell people like my favorite movie is Titanic and I was like oh you know you like romance movies I'm like not really though I'll watch some other ones and I'll be like wanting to feel what I felt with Titanic yeah but then I just don't these two are ride or dyers literally yeah you know yeah, yeah this yeah. isn't about romance this is about I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna do all of this wacky stuff with you I don't know and I I feel that mostly with like I photograph almost over 125 couples a year you know so I see every type of love language there is Mm. they might not touch each other and they might not know how they fall into each other when they sit on a couch like but put a couple and make them sit on a couch and see how they like sit next to each other kind of thing Mm -hmm. right and like I just feel like these two people are going to be best friends forever. Obviously, they're not, but like they're going to be best <laughs> friends forever. And they're also lovers. Like, I don't yeah. see that very much. And I think that's lost in us when we're like looking for partners and focusing on relationships is like, are these two compatible in that way? And I, I have yet to see. Yeah. In addition, is there also a strong friendship at the foundation? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, are these two people having fun as well? Can you think of another um, there's romance a, film? Um, the one that comes to mind, because I'm trying to think of another one. Did you ever see the movie Brooklyn that came out a few years ago? I love Brooklyn. That one, I mean, they. I like their relationship in that movie, personally. Um, yeah. But it's still not on the same level as this, obviously, because it's like an epic. Yeah, but, there's um, more things that happen. Brooklyn was really good, though. Um, but I'm trying to think of another one. Like, all the movies I like are so, like, fluffy. The first thing I thought of was, um, kind of a walk to remember. Okay. Yeah. It's a story of change and transformation and growth for Landon's character. And they end up, like, building this relationship based off of, like, you know, it's sort of like a, you know, she's dying, so... Yeah. Ticking things off of her bucket list and... Um, mm-hmm. you know, just being himself with her. Yeah, I, I don't maybe, know. I think that's why I don't love The Notebook, because I don't feel like there's... I don't like I The don't, Notebook I either. Don't feel like there, I thought this would be offensive maybe to one of you guys, but... I don't care. Okay, I've cool. seen it once, I don't remember it. <laughs> I, I feel like the relationship is so, like, superfluous. Oh, there's this notebook of things that... What, I don't know, it's so based on this premise, and it mm-hmm. forgets about, like, the actual realistic 
the realism of their relationship. The only thing that stuck with me from the notebook was the ending. Yeah, exactly. And, but it's just because, it's just like, visually, when I first saw the ending, I was like, you know, me thinking about death all the time. I'm like, oh, snap, that's really sad. Yeah, they yeah. just died together. <laughs> Um, and it was in like, wasn't it in like the brief moment that she remembered who he was? Yeah, something like that. Have you guys seen the movie About Time? Yes. About Time has so many of the same themes as Titanic. It's really mm-hmm. good. Um, it's so good. I I was bawling on the plane watching it. <laughs> There's some plot holes in like the time travel aspect, but mm-hmm. if you can get past that, like, it's a really good movie. Yeah, but I feel like it does a really good job at the... Um, playing on they're having fun i feel like it's so hard to make couples have genuine fun and us as an audience to be like oh i'm into this like get me more of this fun i don't know what else um i gotta literally talk about this forever and ever so (laughs) thank you for hearing me talk (laughs) yeah great for sure oh gosh uh if you need anyone for any moment where they run through things i'm a sucker for when they just run i don't know Maybe why the chase scene <laughs> yeah the chase scene that'd be good i love that scene yeah i no, love it I, i'd love to come back with the chase scene i have a lot to say about that because i when you mentioned that the titanic references never end I I paid close attention to it, and you were right. I saw maybe two or three ones coming up each day, and it never stopped. And I was like, oh, God, this is so true. We're just so conditioned to it throughout these years. None of us realize how common it is. And I do the same thing with my photography when I direct couples, when I edit. I always bring up Titanic in some way, and I don't even realize it. I wrote a note down. Bring Liz back for running scenes. <laughs> I don't know why I love yeah. how when they're just running, it's so fun. Like when they're... It is. Oh, it is. Like, and I love the, the Celtic music. Yeah. It's perfect. Like if I could just live in a scene forever, it would just be when they like are running away from Lovejoy. It's just yeah. so pure and fun to me. and See, if you haven't run away together, I don't know. Are you really a couple? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, two hours later for one scene. Is this normal? Uh, no, actually, for, for one scene for Titanic. For the Titanic, it's not. But for the other one, it's very normal. For the t- yeah, Stevens. for even Stevens, we can go really long. But really? for Titanic, see, this is funny, though, because I used to take pride in the fact that the Titanic ones were shorter and it made it easier to edit <laughs> in comparison to the even yeah, Stevens ones. We usually but, record like two or three episodes in a row for a Titanic. Yeah, mm. in session. So like... Yeah. 30, 30 to 40 minutes of conversation for yeah. each scene. Mm-hmm. But this um, one, we're definitely not. But Well, as yeah. a frequent listener, I'm always bummed out when it's over. So, <laughs> so, so I hope other people feel the same way because yeah. I drive a lot. I Well, not anymore because yeah. finally it's cold and no one photographs anymore. But <laughs> I would always be like, oh my God, there's an episode. And then I would see 40 minutes and I was like, okay, so that I can listen to it all the way at least to this part. And yeah. I always wish there were more, but I know that's not realistic. So. That, that's how I feel about podcasts. Like I listen to a lot. Sometimes they're shorter and I'm like, man, I wish it was like I could listen to them talk for like an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah. I wish it was just mm-hmm. a little longer. Yeah. 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 Because you don't notice, like, because we're usually in the car or, like, somewhere else listening to them. You yeah. don't realize, like, as an adult, how much you drive, how much you do other yeah. things where you can just pop one on. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So, I think that's about it. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, 
But yeah, wow. This was like, yeah, honestly, we definitely should have you back again because this was so much fun. Mm -hmm. It was really cool having a third voice in the mix like this. Um, I would love to. Yeah, it was definitely a fun switch up in dynamic. Now I'm like, oh no, like now we're just going to go back to it being the two of us. Yeah, it was a fun dynamic. (laughs) Yay. It was. Yeah. So thank you. You literally asked me my dream come true. If seven-year-old Liz was told, (laughs) oh, you get to talk about Titanic for a really long time. I would be like overwhelmed with gratitude. I am overwhelmed with gratitude because my life has been nothing but editing and traveling and photographing. And Mm -hmm. getting to listen to the podcast is always such like, a good moment of my day of like, oh my god, it's a new episode, okay. and then I'm like, this is so weird. I gotta, I gotta talk about it too. So uh, I'm really <laughs> thankful. I told you, I was like, this is the only thing I'm looking forward to. <laughs> oh my great. gosh, I know. I saw, I saw your message that said that. That was like so sweet. I was like, oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Podcasts are fun. So nice. They are fun. But yes, no, seriously, thank you. And I'm sorry I talked so much. <laughs> no, 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 please, no. You no. probably could have even talked more, please. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I did a lot of talking. No, I wanted no. to hear, like, every time you spoke, I was like, yes, yes, third voice. Like, thank you. <laughs> so that is about it for this scene, the first class dinner. Um, thank you so much, Liz, for talking with us today. It was so much fun. Seriously, we got to yeah. do it again. Um, yeah, it's just so great. Um, I'll do it as many times as you want. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much. We really appreciate Mm -hmm. it. And thank you all for listening. We also appreciate that. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so of course, follow all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr. I think that's everything. Uh, leave us a voicemail, please, via Anchor. Someone do that, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, send an email titanic scene by scene at gmail.com and that is everything so we will see you guys in the next scene see it <laughs> <laughs>